This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we talk about what it's like to be a Christian Monday through Saturday, to live as a person of faith and a culture against faith. All right, so this is going to be a fun conversation. Let's talk about toxic masculinity in the church. Um, I, I don't know that it's a fun conversation because I said it, that sarcastically. Well, I know you did, but I well, but at, I want to clarify from the onset because I'm gonna laugh a lot in this episode. Oh yeah. Because it's the only way I can keep from crying. Um, yeah. This is a very serious conversation. It's very, like, it's very emotional to me because these are my counterparts mm-hmm. who are supposed to be messengers of grace who become actors of oppression. Yeah. Um, and so this is actually a very real conversation for me. Um, and it is difficult, but I'm going to laugh a lot because... It's the only way I can keep this conversation light. Yeah. Well, and in, in a weird way, I feel like this conversation needs to be kept light. Um, well, it has to. Nobody would listen to it if it was just 25 minutes of heavy, heavy, heavy stuff. Right. Um, so, yeah, we're going to make some jokes, and we're probably going to laugh quite a bit, but... It doesn't take away the seriousness of the conversation, and I'm not giving anyone a pass. No. And we both genuinely feel, deep down into our core, that the toxic masculinity that exists in the church needs to die. Yeah, well, and it, it so badly impacted me that... I, so I've served under two different pastors who I would consider like supremely given over to toxic masculinity. One of them was so bad that I left ministry for three years. Yeah. Um, Like it was so bad. Yeah. And then the other one, when I decided to go back into ministry was so bad. And I called a meeting with the board and was like, look, you fire this guy or here's my resignation because I'm not being a part of this nonsense. Like, so listener, don't, don't think that this is just two guys having a conversation that don't have any pain or trauma from being affected by toxic masculinity. Like it it cost me three years of vocational ministry because of the pain that I experienced from toxic narcissistic men being my boss and calling themselves pastor. Well, and and it, it's different in your experience too is because you went from this one that you were out for three years to whenever you finally started getting back into ministry to sitting under the under the other the one. The exact same thing. Uh, which is part of the reason that Wellhouse now exists. <laughs> for well, it's honest. exactly why Wellhouse exists. Um, yeah. And so this is a very serious conversation that is near and dear to our hearts here. Yeah, it's, um, yeah. But I have also sat under both of these pastors. Um, you did. You did. You were you were a congregant at both of these congregations. Um, well, a little not, bit for the you, second one. Well, and only much. a little bit for the first one. Uh, no, sir. No, sir. Yes, sir. Maybe we're thinking about two different people. The second church I was ever on staff at is the number one toxic masculinity one. Oh, I, right. Yes. Yeah. 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 
I went to church for a long time, but when I was on staff, he was not the same pastor when you went there that he was when he was my boss. He had digressed a lot. See, I was so young that some of that stuff I, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Understood. Yep. Um, either way, neither here nor there. Yep. Um, I have also sat under, um, in volunteer positions of which I probably should have gotten paid. Um, very toxic type men. You, you Um, actually volunteered at what I might call one of the most one of the churches that is most affected yes by a toxic masculinity senior leader yes which trickled and, down and, yeah which which trickled down and affected some of the other people that i reported to yep um and what's crazy is the culture there um was very backhanded um mm. in the sense that we affirm and love and support women uh, okay, bro. <laughs> but women be quiet. But women be quiet. Um, yeah. Well, and it's only hey, women when you oppose a man, be quiet. Right. It's not that women among men, women need to be quiet. No. And in fact, it's not even women that we like that we allow to take the platform. Right. But it's all the other women need to be quiet when they oppose the men. Right. And and what's crazy is I didn't see that until I got behind the scenes. Well, isn't that how it always That's is? Always how it works because it's a facade. Like exactly. you must, you must protect the image. Like this is not the Me Too movement is not removed from a conversation of church leaders. No, there was a 2,500 page report about the Catholic Church in one of the European countries released a couple weeks ago. It is mind-blowing how many stories of abuse, not just of women, but of children, sexual abuse. Of children. The SBC, a few years ago, just in Texas, 750 pastors are found to be sexually exploitative of congregants. Yeah, and... Which, by the way... We are a Baptist church. We are not a Southern Baptist church. Like, I want to make that clear. We are Baptist, but we are not Southern Baptist. Zero affiliation and vehemently disagree with everything they do. Spoken by Pastor Cullen. Yeah. Um, I will own that. Yeah. And you, if, if president of the SBC wants to call me, if executive director, if any of my old SBC friends want to call me, I will gladly have that conversation with you. But until you offer retribution for your, your part of the biggest issue is that the SBC was founded on oppression, right? Everybody thinks that the SBC started because the Northern Baptists were too liberal. That's not it at all. The formation of the SBC was the Northern Baptists, thought slavery was wrong. The Southern Baptists thought slavery was okay. So they left because their number one goal was to oppress people, which has shown up in the way they've treated women. Sorry. It, we it, need to laugh now because yeah. I'm getting too wild up. We need to laugh now. We need to laugh now. 
make jokes, do things, say <laughs> funny things. Funny thing. Where's Dave Chappelle when you yeah, need? Right. I need Dave Chappelle on this podcast right now. Um, it's more like it, I felt like um, Ted trying to write his speech for uh, Barney and Robin's wedding. Or no, it was uh, Lily's speech. Words, mouth, yeah. three <laughs> times. <laughs> like, funny yeah. things, words that make people laugh. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, no, but you are correct. Um, <clears throat> in the way that the oppression shows up in the SBC in modern times is the oppression of women. Um, well, and still slave. And like, they've still not made retribution for, for their part. Right. And they... they slap down african-american pastors when they stand up and say like hey guys y'all are wrong yeah and do you know that there's a mass exodus of black southern baptist pastors leaving the sbc because of this issue yes beth moore she didn't leave the sbc solely because her position on women preachers changed right it was also because she looked around and saw all of her black pastor friends being oppressed. Yeah. They don't get given the seats in the major committees. Yeah. It like <sighs> men of power oppress people. Um, and the Southern Baptist is the epitome, epitome of that for me. Well, and you know me, I'm going to do this. Cullen. People in power with the SBC, what color is their skin? White. Yep. A hundred percent white. See not the color of Jesus, by the way. Yeah. Not Jesus. <laughs> not the color not of Jesus. Not Jesus. Um and they're all also clean shaven. Right. Which also not the attire of Jesus. Very so very important to note, but also not the the end goal here in the church, the role of toxic masculinity has hurt so many people when in reality and has oppressed women and minorities in general. Um, but specifically for the purpose of this series, women, however, we see Jesus, do many, many other things <laughs> mm -hmm. um, to the contrary. The woman at the well, the woman being stoned, um, and I'm sure there's others that are not coming to my mind right now, um, but with Paul, we the have widow's Lydia, might. The widow's might. That's a big. That's one. a big one in feminist because theology. It's, You're right. Well, it's all the it, well, it's all the men going up and giving all this massive amount of money, and Jesus points out the little lonely woman who gives one little coin, the cheapest coin that is available in currency. Mm -hmm. She gives, and Jesus says she gave more than all of them. Yep. Um, the parable of the lost coin is the one that you're talking about. Right, that that's huge in feminist theology because God's depicted as a woman. Right. That God is the woman looking for her lost coin, which is humanity. But then we also see in Paul with Lydia and Phoebe, right, and others. Yeah, Lydia, Phoebe, Priscilla. I right. Mean, Udia, Syntyche. I mean, the list goes on and on and on of these co-workers of Paul. Right, that are uh, women. Junia is another one. So... 
when you look at the narrative of scripture, it clearly does not oppress women. Well, you have right. Deborah, who's a judge, right? I mean, yeah, yep. even even through the, you have Hulda, who's a prophetess. I mean, when when they find the the piece of the law that somehow just gets lost in a broom closet or something, I, I, don't, I don't understand that story, how you even lose a piece of the law. But they lose a piece of the law, and the high priest goes, hey, we need to take this, oh, not to Jeremiah, right. who's a contemporary. Yeah. No, we need to take it to Hulda. The woman woman prophet to tell us what to do. Yeah. It's like, no, if you want to oppress women, it's because you're an oppressor, not because the biblical narrative tells you to do so. Right. Which leads us to this conversation after 13 minutes, 13 and a half minutes. Now, because I am speaking right now, this is where I'm going to take the conversation. Okay. Um, and it's also kind of a slight introduction to the rest of it. The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, the podcast, it's going on right now. Getting talked lo- about it on my blog a couple week, uh, about a couple about weeks a, ago when this comes out. Yeah, something, something like that. Like that. Um, it's actually kind of gaining quite a bit of traction. It and has been the number one Christianity podcast in multiple categories for the last month. It, it's a big deal. Do you know why, listener? And I don't want to talk too much crap about this person, but it's because it's about Mark Driscoll. Um, well, it's a, I mean... Yes, it, it's about the rise and fall of Mars Hill, of which lives and dies on Mark Driscoll. But it's really, it's a story of power and corruption in the church. It, absolutely. Um, and notice, it's mostly all white guys. Largely. Even, even all their like points of reference are white men. Yep. Who held the office of pastor and were oppressive or abusive. Mm-hmm. Um, or also had experienced oppression or abuse yeah. from Mark. Yeah, don't don't um, miss that. However, the narrative that Mark presented time and time and time and time again over and over and over was a very toxic man position. Um he literally, from the pulpit, oppressed people because of their gender. D- that, yes. like that, that's not a thing. Telling women that they must continue to look good for their husband yep. or they're complicit and in his sin of infidelity. Like, no. Talking. I'm sorry. No. Absol- screw you, bro. Absolutely yeah. not. Making very obvious comments of, and... Making comments about how women need to please their husbands orally. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so you've gotten to that point in the oh, podcast. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that it that it's the woman's job to make sure that her husband doesn't step out because he's been asking for oral sex for all these years and she didn't feel comfortable doing it. He looks at her and tells her it's her job to do it. Yeah. No, screw you, bro. Absolutely not. Shut your mouth. It, so. First, 
you will never hear some crap like that from us. Never. Um, you will hear us talk crap about yes. people that say crap like that, but you'll never hear us affirm any kind of that idea. If, I vehemently reject all of that. And, and listener, if you're a dude and you want oral sex from your wife, but she does not feel comfortable with that, leave it alone. Yeah. Not leave it alone. Consent is a deal. Like yes, a hundred percent. Like even in marriage, consent matters. Absolutely. Like I, I just don't care. Consent is super important. And if you want to do something that your your significant other is not okay with, shut your freaking mouth. Yeah. Like you, you don't get the right to badger them or force something upon them because you're a man and your needs are somehow more important than her insecurity and uncomfortability. Like, no, shut up. I also have another thing to say on that. If it's her responsibility, if it's her responsibility to take on your sexual satisfaction... It is your responsibility to take on her sexual satisfaction. Oh, get it, get it, get it, son. Once again, listener, forgive me. I told you I was going to get worked up. This, like, I, I've experienced immense amount of trauma from people like this in my life and ministry. Look, I entered, I got my first vocational ministry staff position at a church when I was barely 19 years old. Yeah. I've been doing this for almost 10 years and literally more than 75% of the time that I've worked on church staffs, not including leading Wellhouse. That's not true. Maybe 60% of the time because I ended up the second church that I experienced toxic masculinity in, they ended up firing the guy and then yeah. made me the interim pastor. So it was fun. Like, Maybe 60% of the time that I've spent in vocational ministry has been under these type of men. Um, and I, I have zero grace for them because I've seen you. them and their oppression and their abuse firsthand. So, and the way, and that's the other thing, the way they twist scripture. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah the way that they twist the narrative of scripture to fit their own agenda mm -hmm. and use proof texts in order to oppress people, mm -hmm. I got zero grace or patience for. Yeah. So listener, <laughs> I know I'm getting worked up. I apologize. I'm doing the best I can. And honestly, at this point, I don't think I'm going to cut anything. So you're no. going to get the raw part of me also very aware that like my tone is not in the best state yeah. and I'm trying, but like this is just a really, really important conversation for me. Take a breath. I did. I've done the breath prayer like 18 times. Okay. So I started reaching for my phone just a second ago because Mark's whole deal is not allowing women pastors, which is another conversation that we've already touched Yep, go listen to our series on egalitarianism. PMP, right. find uh, some perspective on PP on PMP. Yeah. Um, but but also we've already briefly talked about it here with Paul's coworkers, right? But something we haven't touched here is the First Timothy passage, right? 
And that's Mark's other deal is that men are the head of the household, which we're... Well, Mark's deal, and one of the things you got to understand is Mark's from the Reformed tradition. In a weird way, yes. Well, he didn't start that way. Yes. That's the deal. Mark's theology is all over the place. It really is. Like, it literally changes with the direction of the wind. He is, in a way, extremely charismatic, but also not... But and extremely fundamental, but and, also not. Yes, um, it's it's a very weird kind of deal. And if you have no idea what we're talking about, just go listen to the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, hosted by Mike Cosper of Christianity Today. It's fantastic. It, if if you think that you, you can, can handle, handle it, it. yeah, I, I will tell you, I have recommended that podcast to a lot of people. And several of my other pastor friends have talked to me about how difficult it is to listen to because they've been victims Mm -hmm. of pastors like that. Yeah. Um, Which we're talking about Mark because he's on a public platform. But Well, we're talking about Mark because he's unrepentant. Mm-hmm. And Robert Morris is promoting him in his gateway conferences as as much as three weeks ago. Yeah. Like we're talking about Mark because we're partially talking about Mark because he's easy to pick on because there's so much content out about him right now. But we're also talking about Mark because he's the epitome of the of toxic pastor. The toxic male male pastor. pastor. Yeah. It's true. And even his unrepentant, like he gets basically fired from Mars Hill. He doesn't really get fired. He resigns, but literally he resigns. And two months later, the church closes down yeah. a church of 14,000 members. Yeah. The church shuts down overnight. Which literally do, do not hear that as, Oh, Oh, so Mark was keeping that church alive. No, no, no. That church didn't actually shut down. All the campuses turned into independent campuses they dissolved mars hill but the congregations largely stayed together yes so it wasn't it wasn't just mark each of them had their own campus pastors and all these types of things but mark just kind of led this train of toxicity um and so many people have come out saying that have sit under his leadership that were once um in their congregation, all these things. A lot of people have come out and said, yeah, I never want to go back to church again. Yeah. Um, and on one episode of the rise and fall of Mars Hill that I listened to today. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because it really, really stuck with me in terms of the toxic male thing that, that Mark has. Um, because it it really put focus on the woman as the fault here. Um, oh, the Bobby Knight problem. Oh, I, I I'm not at that point yet. I'm talking. I'm still in the uh, the Demon Hunter episode. Oh, the one where it's the other woman pastor in Seattle that wants to have a meeting with him. Yeah, yeah. Um, which kind of bleeds over into the Bobby Knight problem, but. Um, well, yeah, it does because his homeboy's protecting him. But, yeah. Right. But um, what I'm talking about is, so, Cullen, what's that charismatic tradition? What's the term for um, what he calls demon trials? I'm drawing a blank. 
um, deliverance something. I don't remember. Um, he, he doesn't, and that's the other thing. Mark, I can confidently say Mark Driscoll is a liar. Yes. He is, he is on record saying he reads a book a day. Yeah. Nobody there is that. no freaking way any person reads 365 books a year. Look how many books I've read. Yeah. There is no way a single person does. <laughs> there is no way a single person yeah, reads, reads a book a day and does anything else in life. Yeah. Um, lies. And he said he's been doing it for years. Right. But where I was He's going, a liar. And that shows up in his quote unquote knowledge right. of church history. Right. Because he has none. He has zero knowledge. Yeah. I have multiple degrees in church history. My master's degree, my first master's degree is in patristic theology, like literally the formation of the church. Mark Driscoll has zero knowledge of church history. Right. Agreed. So he knows who Martin Luther is. <laughs> So the story that I was going to tell is, so, so Mike, um, Cosper, um, recounts this story and pulls quotes from Mark very audibly, um, from his, from a workshop that he did on his, his quote, demon trials, um, of which I'm forgetting the, Wait, but I, I want to let you go, but is that not the most toxic male thing you've ever heard yes that, that you feel that you have the power to host a demon trial right like your god or something no but so the the demon trial thing he renamed from a charismatic tradition uh that i'm drawing a blank on right now what it's actually called it's like well yes but it's like I'm not talking about the tradition. I'm talking about this thing that they did within charismatic traditions. It's oh. like deliverance something. Drawn a blank. Um, but he renamed it as Demon Trial, of which he would, people would come to him for counsel. God rest their souls. Um, and he would come to them for counsel. And I can't, I just, I'm having a hard time. <clears throat> he would tell them that their problems are rooted in spiritual warfare. And that, for me as a mental health professional, <clears throat> as we talked about on the last series, you know, largely that's not true. <laughs> um, so putting that out there. But then on top of that, he told this story. We don't know if it's true. He said it in a workshop. We don't know. That he had this couple sitting in his office. One was terrified, afraid, the woman. That her husband's cheating on her. That her husband's cheating on her. I remember this story. <laughs> Instead of validating or asking why she felt that way or even 
digging into that at all. Any normal mental health practice. Yeah. Let, let's dig into why do you feel that your husband's cheating on you? Let's ask these hard questions. No, Mark says you're being irrational and that must be because there's a demon oppressing you. I call bull spit on that, brother. Uh-uh. I don't have anything else to say. I will scream in this microphone. <laughs> okay. So, we are both very wound up <laughs> at this point. Um, and mind you, he said all of that from the pulpit. Uh, he told this that the, story. This is the same man that brags before taking the platform that he fired two board members 10 minutes before he has to preach a sermon. Yeah. Like, this is just a toxic, toxic person who's unrepentant and now has Robert Morris leading the way for him, yeah. just giving him freedom to do it all over again. Yeah. He literally planted a new church in Arizona 18 months after he resigned Mars Hill. Yeah, so... This is not the point of the podcast, but I am going to say this. And I'm actually going to step out there and say this. Do I actually think I speak for Cullen on this. Do not support that man. I wasn't going to say it, but yeah, do not. Like, do, do not, not give support your money. that man. Don't buy any of his books unless you're buying them secondhand. And even then, only read them if you're going to be uber critical. Like, yeah. his New York Times bestseller is not even a true New York Times bestseller anymore because it's come out. He faked that crap too. It was all plagiarized. Well, not only was it plagiarized, he literally had the church spend $200,000 to hire a company to go around all the bookstores in New York City and buy copies of his book every week so that he could become a New York Times bestseller. Yeah. He didn't become a New York Times bestseller because people actually wanted to buy his book. He became a New York Times bestseller because he's a flipping con artist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Once again, listener, I apologize for my tone. Um... So, don't support Mark, um, but also, and this. <clears throat> Listener, toxic masculinity, as we talked about last week, has ex always existed. And if I have anything to say about it, it won't always exist. But I know... That's unrealistic. It probably will always exist. Um, ladies, if you have ever sat under a pastor similar to what we've talked about in Mark and in the two that Cullen has sat under, the one that I've sat under, we're sorry. And heartbroken over that. Um, <clears throat> we're not going to be that for you. If there's, if it ever gets to a point where it is that for you, I want Wellhouse to stop. Or the leadership change. One um, look. That that's something that's very important. If you're going to go down that, I didn't know you were taking this down that road. I when I was when we were planting Wellhouse, I designed 
the way that we would function. And I, I hired leadership coaches. I spoke, I got, I sought counsel. I talked to a lot of people because the one thing I didn't want to become was the person I hated, the type of pastor that was supposed to be a messenger of grace and became mm. a, a person of oppression. And so I designed Wellhouse in a way that there's no way I can be that. I'm a board member at Wellhouse, but I do not get a vote. The board votes without me. And our board is designed to have equal male and female voices. Yes. There, there, there's equality of gender and hopefully one day racial equality on our board. And... My, my protection is that I get to pick the board. Like I'm the only one that can nominate board members, but the board approves them. I don't even get a vote in approving them. Like literally the only thing I have, and hopefully this is one of the things that I want us to work towards in five years. I do not. Well, I do not want Wellhouse to have anyone titled lead pastor. Yeah. I, I don't want any sort of hierarchy among that. I mean, the buck has to stop with somebody, but that that goes to the board. Like I, as long as I'm here, I think I'll always be quote unquote on top, but only with dotted lines, not not in direct kind of ways, um, because I I really like I am against power and hierarchy. I, I really think they breed corruption. I agree. Um, and look so, at our, well, look at our country. <laughs> yeah, like literally, listener, Wellhouse is designed so that the trauma that happened to me and to you isn't possible. Like, it is not possible. Now, I will also say, and to all of our Wellhouse congregants, I am grateful. Wellhouse is the place where I get to be myself. Right. And right. I'm a very big, loud personality which has shown out tonight. Like I, I, I have not held punches when it comes to this conversation. In let's, let's also flip to the Enneagram for a second though. If you don't know what that is, practicing presence, go look. Um, threes, eights, and, and, ones. and ones. High capacity numbers. Are, all act very similar with different motivations. Eights, highly angered by oppression in the world. Mm -hmm. um, Cullen is exhibiting that right now because he is a three on the Enneagram. And so he's kind of feeding off of that eight thing. Um, Cullen can get, and I can too, but for different reasons and in different ways. Cullen is getting very worked up. Because he sees something that he loves, the church, and his counterparts as pastors oppressing people and being the exact opposite of the example that we're given in Jesus. It just, it, it will never make sense to me how someone can read the biblical narrative and see that the entire message of Jesus is about care for the vulnerable and oppressed people. Christianity doesn't hit main stage until Constantine. Yeah. Like Christianity arises in the shanty village. 
Yeah. Like if we can be that bold, like Christianity is the poor people's religion. Or it was. Philosophy was the rich person's religion. Christianity was the nobody's religion. Like the message of Jesus is that the vulnerable are cared for and they're loved. And yet we've now reached a place where unfortunately the primary narrative is that the messengers of grace for the vulnerable and oppressed people have become the oppressors of the vulnerable people. And I cannot stand that turn of event. Like it, it irks me to my core. So we didn't laugh much in the, as much in this episode as we said that we were. God, I wish we did. <laughs> I do too, but this is something that's very near and dear to our hearts. But Brady Shearer. Oh, Pro Church Tools. Yeah, Pro my guy. Pro Church Tools. Love this guy. He's a Canadian, by the way. He is a Canadian. Um, he did an episode on his YouTube channel. On Toxic Masculinity. That's on right. Masculinity I forgot about this. In the church uh, mm-hmm. a few weeks ago. I'll, I'll link it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, very good. He tells his own story. Um, so go listen. Go watch. However, um, <clears throat> there was this kind of Instagram battle between him and this pastor that was on Instagram that made a comment. I would rather toxic masculinity than no masculinity at all. Oh, the pastor said that? Uh-huh. Oh. Um, or at least the way that I'm remembering it, yes. Um, I, I'm not going to say anything. So. No man is toxic. No, I, I'm not. Yeah. Um, <sighs> listener, if that is the perspective that you take. I love you and there is grace for you. Um, And I am willing to have this conversation with you. And I think you should probably have this conversation with me over him. Um, Yeah. So that's the other thing. Clayton's long-term position at Wellhouse, we've already designed it. He's going to become the freedom pastor. He's going to do all the pastoral care. Um, this is definitely one of those times where if you come to me wanting to battle me, I will send you to Clayton because I will lose my spit on you. I have zero grace for this. And part of being a Christian is knowing when to bite your tongue. And so I will be sending you to Clayton. I will have this conversation with you. Um, and because that's partially my job or will be at least. Um, and also I do feel like that is my position as a social work student to respect everybody's self-determination. Um, and if that is how you self-determine, I can't say much about that. However, I will have this conversation with you and I would like to have this conversation with you. Now, ladies... We love you. We support you, as we have said countless times. And I don't know if we can say enough 
um, because there has been so much oppression from the church on you. And it breaks my heart. I'm fighting tears right now thinking about that. We love you. We support you. And we want you to thrive here at Flippin' thrive. Ladies, I'm going to end the podcast here, but if there's one thing I can promise you, I may not be the perfect pastor. I will fail. I will screw up. You're going to look at me at times and go, I can't believe a pastor would do that. Because I'm human and I make mistakes. But the one thing that I can promise you is that I have designed a system where it is virtually impossible for me to come, for me to become anything like anything we've talked about. And the other thing that you can know for sure, 100% without a shadow of a doubt, I will forever and always be your biggest advocate.